Welcome to the Brick and Market Podcast powered by Invita Social, the nation's leading multifamily marketing agency. This weekly podcast will give the lowdown on leasing up in the multifamily industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brick and Market Podcast. I am your host today, Haley, Invita's Innovation Strategy Director, and I have on with me today my, my coworker, Ariana. Hi, it's Ariana. I'm a marketing manager here at Invita. Thanks for being on today, Ariana. I know. I'm excited about this topic. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah. So today's topic is our monthly what's new in social, but we have a little twist on it. Today is our influencer edition. So all things influencer marketing for updates. Um, And we're going to go through the good and the bad and what's really to come with influencer marketing. So to kick it off, let's start with the good. Always the good first. Um, There's so much good stuff to talk through for influencer marketing. Um, First of all, 93% of marketers have used influencer marketing. Um, 92% of consumers trust an influencer more than an advertisement. One really good thing, and especially for our industry and multifamily, is that micro-influencers are on the rise. Micro-influencers on Instagram have an average engagement rate of 3.8%. Um, When we get to bigger influencers, that actually drops and we hit a mega influencer engagement rate of 1.2%. So micro influencers have that awesome engagement rate, which means that they're getting more likes and comments and views um, from their audience, meaning that their audiences are more engaged and more likely to, you know, consume the content that they're sharing about and really reach who we're wanting to reach. Um, One thing with micro-influencers is that we can create hyper-local content creators, making it more niche um, and perfect for apartment marketing. Another benefit is that they're more budget-friendly. You're not paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to these huge influencers um, and not reaching the right audience. So micro-influencers have that hyper-local audience and they have more budget-friendly campaigns. Um, Another thing is that audience really are able to trust and relate to micro-influencers because, again, that smaller audience making it more loyal um, and people that are really following them and really trust what they're talking about. Um, And another benefit, too, is that content just continues to be more niche and more specific. So finding your niche as far as influencers is such a big thing. Um, such as like a fashion guru or a restaurant connoisseur or, you know, something like that. They'll have followers that really resonate with what they're posting about um, and they have, you know, they know what to expect. Um, creators will be able to stand out from the competition with micro-influencers, refining their niche, offering greater specialty and more things that are more specific. Um, this is exactly the organic targeting that brands want or properties want um, to ensure that it's relevant and offering the right type for the audience. So that's really the good starting off. Um, I love that. Ariana, do you want to touch on some of the bad that could be happening with influencer marketing right now? Okay. Yes. Let's get into the bad. First, influencer fatigue. We've been hearing it a lot. It's a little bit of a buzzword and users are really demanding authenticity and are quick to call influencers when they think they aren't being authentic or even brands too. So more than ever, I think 
you know, users are wanting content to feel organic. They want it to feel like the influencer is using products or, you know, living at the apartment or whatever it may be. So that's something that we're seeing um, in the market and something that we're watching as consumers, you know, behaviors shift and change. Um, another thing is vanity metrics um, with Instagram removing likes. We're seeing that brands and marketers are having to shift their KPIs, their objectives. What is the goal of the campaign? What are they trying to get out of it? And so we're seeing that views are more you know, valuable with social being so saturated with video. We're looking more at views than we are likes. And that goes with engagement rate too. When we source influencers, you know, we aren't looking at how many likes their posts are getting. We're really looking at that engagement rate, how, you know, with their audience size, how many engagements are they really getting? So that's something to keep in mind too. And something that we're watching, I think with the algorithm always changing too, it's like, there's always a new, a new metric to, to be looking at. Um, and then also, you know, as the influencer market evolves and inflation rises, um, we'll definitely continue to see compensation for influencers rise. But there is like a somewhat of a positive side of this is that the pool of influencers is just going to continue to grow. And within that, influencers are going to get competitive to create the most, you know, creative, innovative content. And there's going to be more for brands and, and even properties to source from. There's going to be different options. Like Haley said, they're going to be more niche. They're going to be more specific, more hyper-local. So there is a good side to costs, maybe, you know, rates rising and things like that for campaigns. But um, there's still, you know, still some good in that too. That's a great point, Ariana. The the more influencers we have, the better, so that it does combat that high price that influencers are starting to charge and continually to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk through really what's to come. So we talked through good and bad, and then what's next? So the global influencer marketing um, size is projected to grow from six billion to nearly 24 billion by 2025. So it is growing like crazy. It's getting bigger and bigger. There's more influencers. There's more market for it. Um, what's to come? Influencers are not going away. They are here to stay, um, and we really need to make sure that we're using them. Um, something kind of cool that I want to talk through is. IGC versus UGC. So this is a term that we have at Indita. And Ariana, I want to ask you if you can explain to us what that is and what it means. What's the difference between IGC and UGC? Yeah. So we're all pretty familiar with UGC, user-generated content, but influencer-generated content, IGC is basically more curated content based from an influencer. So it's utilized like UGC, but from an influencer. So it feels more organic than just a standard campaign. And what's cool about this is this is something that it's projected to be really big in 2023 as brands are finding more creative ways to utilize IGC in different channels and different campaigns. So it gives that organic feel but it's not a standard, you know, influencer campaign. Um, What's also cool about this is we'll start seeing influencers that we know across websites or in email campaigns or on social and things like that. Um, So you're able to repurpose it across different platforms and channels. And then that way, 
brands are really able to maximize that investment because they're able to use it on so many platforms um, and give exactly what their audience wants, which is that organic, authentic content, but it's still coming from someone with credibility or with an audience um, in that in that neighborhood or in that city. So it's really cool. I'm excited about this. I know we love using UGC, so it's cool to have the option of, of doing IGC too. Totally. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one trend that we've really seen with influencers that's kind of taken off is this more real life influencer. So someone that's not a full-time influencer, they're not just getting paid to post. They might have, you know, another job, a nine to five or whatever it may be. And they are sharing their experience online or they're sharing their expertise and that's really the type of influencer that we're looking for right now. And those, again, those micro influencers, but ones that are just more authentic and, and real um, to bring in more uh, leads and, and get reach more targeted audiences. Yeah. I feel like with kind of brands more so tapping into the community versus, you know, just working with influencers that might not already have a connection or tie in to the brand or the property, um, tapping into that community to really create that authentic partnership, I think is really what, what's on the horizon. I totally agree. Yeah. So I, as, uh, as a wrap up, I think really the biggest takeaway that we want to stress to all of our listeners today is that properties that adapt, you know, as social changes and as consumer behaviors change, Properties that adapt, especially the ones that um, invest in budget and resources and push creativity into activities within these channels, um, influencer marketing still has a really wealth of value to offer. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, 20, almost 25 billion by 2025. Mm-hmm. It's wild. I It's so wild. (laughs) Like they're not going anywhere, but I think we'll utilize them in different ways, which is cool because the industry will innovate with them. So absolutely. I I love that. Cool. Okay. Well, let's jump into our rapid fire questions before we end this episode. So I'll kick it off. Um, As on the topic of influencers, Ariana, who's your favorite influencer? Um, right now, shout out Lily. Cause I know she's going to love this. I feel mm-hmm. like Tinks is one of my favorite. And I think this it's a good tie in to what we said, because she's super authentic. She's a little off the cuff and I think she just connects with her audience so well. So I love consuming her content. Tinks. Okay. I'll have to yeah. follow her. Yeah. Who's your favorite influencer? My favorite influencer, so no one's going to know these, um, but something about me is that I'm really into bodybuilding and fitness. So um, Jennifer Dory is um, a top Olympia competitor. So I really like her because she posts a lot about her workouts, um, her nutrition, what she's doing in the gym. So those are all things that I like to follow because they're things I aspire towards. Um, And then when she throws in like the cute leggings that she's wearing and whatnot, I'm like, oh, I got to buy those. (laughs) Yes. Well, that leads me into the next question, which is what is something an influencer has persuaded you to buy and was it worth it? Oh my gosh, so many things. I have been totally suckered in. Um, okay, I don't know if you've seen like the scrunchy butt leggings. Mm-hmm. They like scrunch because they're supposed to like make everything look better. So I have bought those 100% worth it. 10 out of 10 recommend. I love them. 
That's one. I'm going to have to get those. those you need good. to get them. They look amazing. What's something an influencer has persuaded you to buy? Um, kind of same in the fitness realm. Why is that okay. like so enticing? I feel like to users, but, um, <laughs> I bought ball of bangles, which is like, Oh yeah. So funny. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what are these things? I'm never going to buy them. And then it was like this cute little fitness wellness influencer. And I totally was like, okay, fine. She has a code. I'm going to get them. <laughs> and I love them. I'm like, everyone who doesn't have any, I'm like, please get these. They're so fun. That's awesome. Girl walks. <laughs> yes. I need those. <laughs> okay. Our last question. If you could be an influencer, if you were an influencer, what type of influencer would you be? This is hard. Um, I feel like maybe something in like the wellness space. I'm going to let you have the fitness because <laughs> you're like the queen, but I feel like something wellness or like food related or yeah, I think something like that would be cool. Totally. Yeah. You already know my answer. <laughs> I feel like, you know, obviously we talk about this, the whole podcast, but being authentic and organic. Mm -hmm. So like having a niche that is something you're really passionate about or that you do every day. So mine would be fitness. You're obviously very healthy too. So wellness for that one. I love it. We can collab. We can do a collab post. We could totally be. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ariana, for being on the podcast today. This is a fun one. And thank you everyone for listening. What's to come with this podcast is that we will be launching a season two in 2023. So we have a couple more episodes left this year. Um, and you can catch us next week on Thursday at 8 a.m. EST for a new episode of the Brick and Market podcast. Thanks for listening to the Brick and Market podcast powered by Invita Social, the nation's leading multifamily marketing agency. New episodes drop every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern. You can find the Brick and Market podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Tune in next week for more on how to turn your leads into leases.